Taco Palenque fans, we have something special for you. Try the Casero Taco now for only $2.75 Monday through Thursday. Flavor-packed with premium sirloin rice and refried beans. Only at Taco Palenque. At participating locations for limited time, not valid for delivery. Other restrictions may apply. From a top-secret network of highly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider, brought to you by Taco Palenque. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined by Express News, Spurs beat writers, Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne, and Express News sports editor, Nick Talbot. We have another week of the same song, the same dance, maybe some new reactions to it. We will start with Jeff McDonald reacting to yet another week of Spurs coming up short. What what is there to say, Jeff? Where where do we start here? You you said the same dance, like but it's a bad dance. It's like the the Elaine dance on Seinfeld. Yeah, doing it over and over and over. There's uh, different I, variations I, on the theme. You either blow a twenty point lead or dig yourself into a twenty point hole and end up um, lamenting what might have been at the end of the night every time. The results are the same, right? Uh, like you yeah. can correct me if this is factually. Uh, wrong, but I think the last thing the Spurs actually won was the draft lottery. Is that correct? <laughs> well, you you skipped the three games this year that they won, and and we should note again on this podcast that one beat writer on this panel has yet to cover a Victor Wembanyama regular season victory. Tom Orsborne has been around for three. I've yeah, but that for that three. guy couldn't even save him against Memphis. So that, that, that's true. That's true. Um, Spurs it, won the uh, tournament, the Valley of the Sun tournament. That, those the were Valley right. of the Sun tournament in Phoenix. That was a heck of a week. It seems yeah. like years ago. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, is there? Is this going to get better, Tom? Yeah, sure. I'm. I'm like. Uh, I'm like a very um, optimistic, uh, uh, humorous uh, uh, Keldon Johnson last night. You know, it's <laughs> it will get better. I like how Keldon uh, treated that with humor. Um, you know, there's, there's wins on the horizon. Um, of course that, you know, that, that Memphis game is the one that hurts that, that was, uh, in their hand and they blew it. They've blown so many, but that one seemed like, uh, you know, they definitely were, were going to get it. Uh, but yeah, pop, pop treated it with humor before the, uh, before the game too. Um, you know, fans don't like to don't like to hear that, but um, you know it's a it's a good way to get through adversity. And, uh, yeah, they're just they're just yucking it up and losing every game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's got to make the listeners of this podcast feel so much better that yeah. the uh, that, that that the coach and the players are feeling good during this. Well, and you you say there's victories on the horizon, but uh, where? Like uh, where? Well, it's the win? NBA. Someone will slip up. Yeah, <clears throat> there'll there'll be an NBA schedule type win somewhere in there. Well, yeah. Well, I suppose. I mean, yeah, they're not going to lose all their games the rest of the time, but it's just hard to see one. Can you guarantee that? Yes, I can. They're going to win more than three games this year. I, you could. That's a lock, stone cold McDonald lock. The Spurs will win more than three games. All they right. played Detroit at home the last game of the regular season, so they'll they'll get they'll get that one. I think. So the yeah. minimum four and seventy eight. The win again would bring the cells back. That would help. That would definitely that would help. help. A lot. But they lost a lot of games with them too. So they've lost a lot of games with them, and that that. But Memphis they have game, they haven't won without them, so that's a good point. That Memphis game that um, 
that Vizel, Vassell sat out. Memphis was missing approximately 19 players. So the Spurs didn't win the, we could have had this guy sweepstakes there. Like the, it's, they're going against teams that are missing people too. Um, it's just a rough time. And I guess we could go they, back they, to. They might have a chance Wednesday in the rematch with the Clippers because, you know, James Harden's going to be left to his own devices here for a couple of days. Um, yeah. I, I, he may not show up on Wednesday in the, in the, in the best of shape. Well, James Harden, notorious um, enjoyer of life, enjoyer of nightlife. If he's got to spend three three nights in one city, like isn't San Antonio one of the places where you think he could get up to the least amount of trouble mm, to I his mean, own devices? I mean, sure, it's lower on the list than let's say Atlanta, uh-huh. but uh, or Houston, but. Uh-huh. Uh, it's probably higher than like an Oklahoma City or a or a Salt Lake City or a Sacramento. That's that's probably a Portland. It's an interesting, that's or an interesting subject of well, I think it's I think it's well, I think he'd get into more I think he'd find more stuff to do in Detroit. maybe. Maybe uh, not. He's like, great, maybe. He could fill up where, where's, here. where's Where's he going after midnight in San Antonio? You know where he's going to go? <clears throat> he's going to go to Taco the Palenque closes at 11 in a lot okay. of places. Sometimes uh, I think there might be so, some locations soap until midnight. But after so Taco he'll go, Palenque he'll go, to Taco, he'll go to Taco Palenque, uh-huh. you know, like the pregame, and then he'll have his night out. Uh-huh. And he's going to find the nearest, that they're everywhere in San Antonio, the nearest all-night churros place. Yes. Yes. I mean, they're everywhere. Here we go. You cannot Here swing we a dead squirrel without hitting a all night churros place we're, we're for the listeners place. for the listeners this was a subject of discussion uh before the first clippers game on monday night at the this is what happens when, when the team has lost 10 in a row you have these kind of discussions and we're going to talk about basketball on this podcast probably but we have a little extra is, time today there's no there's no practice so we can we can go a little long that's true so i don't even know where to start Everyone knows it, it involved a player for the Spurs, who I'm not sure we've mentioned yet on this podcast. It might be the longest we've gone in months without mentioning the name of the young man, Victor Wembenyama, who, for, for some listeners who aren't aware, is a is a basketball player for the local Cagers. He's tall, a teenager. Um, when he won uh, one of those games in the Tournament of the Valley of the Sun that Tom and I covered in Phoenix... Uh, that game was broadcast on TNT. It's a cable network for the listeners who who don't know what cable is. It's it's the way people used to watch things before YouTube. Um, and this game was on 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 TNT. Uh, a broadcaster by the name of Charles Barkley, who for the listeners who aren't aware, um, was a was a commercial TV star back in the nineties and eighties. Charles Barkley, in his interview with Victor Wembanyama, asked him about churros. And this is a long-running joke by Charles Barkley about the 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 fairer sex in San Antonio enjoys churros. And my point last night about, and I'm, by the way, I'm not endorsing that joke at all. In fact, my point last night was there is nothing inherently San Antonian about churros. The average San Antonio resident, lifelong San Antonian, 
like they don't eat churros. It's it's not a San Antonio thing. Sure, churros are available here, but but there's nothing that makes churros a bigger part of San Antonio culture than any other city in America, really. Like not certainly not more than Phoenix or Los Angeles or San Diego or what have you, El Paso, Miami. Like you don't go around San Antonio and see churros. Like you see enchiladas and tacos and you know sopapillas right. was mentioned Chris, last night. Kid. Like you see more sopapillas in Mexican restaurants than you see churros. Chris, I okay. posit that Charles Barkley covered with with TNT, one of those Western Conference finals back in the day. And in the media press room at Frost Bank Center, they often serve churros with the media meal. And he he equates churros with San Antonio because of that. But I really think that San Antonio is not a churro city. And Jeff and Tom were sort of debating this with me last night. Um, I, I will open it up to discussion. But I, I do not think that churro... I don't think the average San Antonian thinks of churros as part of their regular uh, diet. Churros are the gentrified uh, dessert of, of most locations now. They're just kind of one of those things that you put with ice cream. And there's lots of little, those little pop-ups things. But I don't but think... Do you- I think I don't. I think you're right. I don't think it's like a San Antonio thing. I think you go to Austin and you find the same amount of churro slash ice cream places or Houston. It's my, just, only, my, only, invo- my only it's point. It's one of those in vogue things, but it's not like inherently San Antonio. Right. My only point was that there's. I I am skeptical 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 of the, skeptical of the <laughs> hypothesis that Charles Barkley had one churro in the media room. Like they don't have them all the time. Well, and that's the only place, he's, and that's and that's the only place that he's ever heard of a churro. There's churros everywhere. I googled churros near me, uh, not for the first time, and they were everywhere last night around that place, like everywhere. So I I'm still think that that is where Charles got the idea that that San Antonio equals churros. I mean, I don't if, think that he's, he's going just... out on the river walk. When 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 he's making his trips, why not with the Phoenix Suns or the or the Philadelphia 76ers, I don't think he was out there having churros, you know, in restaurants. I think, I think the, the only reason that he equates street food churros it's, with San Antonio, it's, it's, it's not food. street food. It's you're walking down the Riverwalk, you know. It's, it's state you, fair whether, food. Whether you're Charles Barkley or you're uh-huh. James Harden after your big night out, and a churro sounds good, and there's a guy with one selling them from a cart. Who are these? Where are these carts? I, I will plead over. ignorance. I will plead ignorance to the fact that I don't hang out on the Riverwalk like you a lot live in of New Braunfels, bro. You like live a lot Brothels. of San Antonians. Talk to me about German food. You live in New like Brothels. a lot of San Antonians that you don't you don't go to the Riverwalk uh, as part of your regular routine. So maybe there's there's churro vendors that I'm unaware of. We need but, to check uh, with uh, Mike Monroe to see if the chili, the famed chili queens. In the 1890s, had uh, churros on their carts. Like, if, but Tom was Tom was San Antonio to the bone. By the way, yeah, I he, is, he is. He has lived his entire life in San Antonio, from from birth till till now. And no. he agreed with me that churros are not a part Look, of the man, San Antonio culture. If, but my point is, if Chuck is basing his his uh, beliefs on San Antonio culinary culture on the the media room, where did he get churros? Like what? Why? Why? Why churros? Why not like dry hamburger? They got the Do dry hamburger. this out. How? Because why the, not like a, why not like a, why not like a, you know a, a salad without dressing? Because that's where they got the salad with no dressing. 
or you know last night it was tacos with no condiments like where where's where's that where why why churros do i have to spell this out because it's a dirty joke because of because of the churro thing you know the charles barkley churro joke the the pantomime gesture you can't do that pantomime i have gesture no with dry hamburgers i think I have, you do i have no idea i think you do you're you're you're, you're disgusting don't gr- don't drag this podcast into the gutter anyway <laughs> that's that's the we started from the, the gutter discussion. we're still here i'm eager spurs nation i'm eager to hear your thoughts on whether churros are san antonian or not i don't think they are what is san antonian unfortunately is lots of nba basketball losses in the 23 24 season and we can get back to some of those let's talk about victor let's do it we're gonna have to drip the band-aid off talk about victor um he's he's not been bad but he's he's sort of hitting a rookie wall maybe uh playing a lot more games in a shorter amount of time than he's played ever and uh you know right, right now he's not the rookie of the year it's this is an I agree. A ridiculous overreaction to oh yeah third thirteen games, but it, if if the season was thirteen games long, he's probably not your rookie of the year, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's Chet, it's Chevron now. Uh, Chet's yes. really shooting the ball a lot better. Um, I think that's what that's what it's going to come down to. Even at the end of the year, we knew it was going to be a tight race between these two guys, right? And and right now, Chet's just shooting the ball a lot better than Victor is. Whether it's in paint, in the paint, or or from the three point, especially from the three point line, and I think that's that's going to be the difference. I mean, let me read you more at the end of the year. Let me read you some statistics for Victor Wembanyama. Just some raw statistics. We'll just get those out there. Some of them are good. Some of them not so good. Eighteen point six points per game. That's that's good for a nineteen year old kid in the NBA, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Nine point yeah, Robert, your age, you're pretty, you're doing pretty yeah. well. Nine point one rebounds. That's pretty good. 2.6 blocks, which is way up there in the in the rankings. He had eight of them against Memphis, so that's good. Um, <clears throat> then you get down to uh, shooting 42.4% overall and uh, 26.9% from three-point range while, while taking almost six a game. Like, it's not a, that's not a small sample size. So the, the shooting numbers have been uh, woeful. They have. And are, are we going to... I, I, I'm I'm okay saying he's 19 years old and has to figure this out. That's that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't I don't think he's going to be a 42 percent shooter for his entire career. But right now it's a little rough. Yeah, it it does. 33 percent from mid range. I think that's that's last among the uh, players that have at least 50 shots from that. I, I've I've got him broken broken down here. I got the stats up on NBA.com. Uh, mm-hmm. At the rim, less than five feet from the rim, he's 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 pretty unstoppable. He's he's shooting seventy three percent from there. But you want to want to guess um, what other range is his second best uh, percentage? From thirty to th- from thirty to thirty four feet, he's shooting fifty percent. Wow, that should shoot more from there. That's that's one of two. But uh, he's taking outside of you know the paint shots, he's taking the most from twenty five to twenty nine feet. So that's basically three pointers. That's 25.8%. If he steps in just a little from that, 20 to 24 feet, 25%. Uh, 15 to 19, 34.6%. 10 to 14, uh, 40.7%. Here's a here's a weird one. Just outside of five feet, so five to nine percent, he's shooting uh, five to nine feet from the basket. He's shooting 
Like none of those numbers are very good. So it does bring up an interesting um, point about just how quickly, um, I guess the 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 criticisms of a team or a system or a or a season can change because it wasn't that long ago where the number one complaint that fans had about this Spurs season is they should throw Victor the ball more and run more through him and the teammates aren't just aren't finding him enough and too many other guys are taking shots like now it's almost like the opposite he's taken too many yeah. <laughs> and the, the, you cannot say it. you were right the first week of the season the first couple of weeks of the season is they're missing this guy they should be feeding the ball to him more like that was a valid criticism early in the season it's absolutely not anymore like it's almost like they're they're they need to go away from him a little bit or he's well, forcing I, too much and I think uh, you can quibble with how you're getting him the ball and where you I can mean, but but there's also plays like I think I was sitting up on the on the platform last night with my my co-host here Jeff McDonald and I think it was the first play of the of a quarter uh, it was the first play of a timeout. It was either the second quarter or, the, or maybe even the third. Um, I think it was the second, where Pop had drawn up a play that r- was run to perfection. Um, that basically got Victor a shot at the rim off a lob to start a quarter, and he just sort of missed it. <laughs> like he fumbled the ball out of bounds, and the next trip up the court. Uh, and you saw Pop's kind of head fall. He doesn't he doesn't show a lot of emotion in moments like that, but it was just clear dejection. Like they'd run this play perfectly and Victor didn't finish it. And then it was either the next possession or the one after that, Victor pulled up from like 30 feet and missed a three-pointer. And it's just, those are just examples of he's a 19-year-old player who's going to make mistakes like that. And he's not really as automatic as some people think he should be right away. And I think that's totally understandable, but the answer isn't as simple as just dump the ball to Victor all the time. Right. I I also don't feel great about just dissecting a 19 year old kid right now, 13 games in the season, but that's what we're going to do. I mean, that's where we are. Um, When when does the, I guess it, it also leads to the question, when does the observation phase end and they start talking? I think that's over. Yeah. Uh, I think that was all. I think that was always more coach speak than mm. than totally true. I think that in in broad strokes, mm-hmm. um, Pop might have been telling the truth in that he's not going to micromanage every possession. Mm. But it was. I don't think it ever was just. I'm going to watch him and let him do whatever the heck he wants. Um, and and you see that Jeff has noted this. Um, Throughout a game, there's lots of coaching moments there with Pop and Victor, and with Pop and everybody. Um, right, but and, he's and, still he's still allowed to get away with stuff no one else could. That's what I'm saying. Maybe the shot selection has to be ironed out at some point, or is it I, I, okay, okay, flip side, I'm not sure there's ever going to be a time when Pop lays down the law with him like he would have with Tony Parker or. Right, Monte Ginobili or whatever. I think the times have just changed, and Victor's a different kind of player. Where mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll, what, I'll what you might this see open to the group. I, I don't you, think he's ever going to say, Victor, you cannot shoot this three pointer. Well, ever. what you might see is a lot of coaching behind the scenes, and well, we yeah. won't see it, but Victor might see it. 
um, coaching behind the scenes, film sessions. Hey, we really don't want this shot right here for this reason and that reason. Right. And over time and with experience and with learning the league, uh, maybe that will get coached out of him. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, I I think that's what you'll see. I, he probably won't be benched the next time he takes a, a 35-footer with 20 seconds on the shot clock. That's He's true. probably going to make that one, though, according to the stats. According to the stats, you're right. Yeah. Um, one thing to remember is uh, if you're looking at, like, the next best phenom to come into the league, it was LeBron James and his rookie year. He shot 41.7% from the field and 29% from three. Just just for a moment of levity and, and, and like, if you're saying, oh, Victor's a bust because he can't shoot or whatever, most people that are panicking, I don't think that's that, – it's not going to be the chase. He's going to keep improving. Yeah, those those early LeBron months were pretty rough. I mean, they were, they were just like Victor. There were games where you're like, oh my gosh, he's going crazy and he's amazing. And then there were games where he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Kevin Durant was the same way, um, in 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 Seattle at the time. So you know, there's precedent for this, and I don't think anybody should be panicking. Like the Spurs made the right. Like I, I'm going to go, you know, have the hot take that everyone is going to like. You know, don't aggregate this, but the Spurs made the right pick at number one. Uh, I will go on the record and say that right now. Kevin Durant had a worse had worse really stats bold. and a worse record through this amount of time than uh, than Victor did. I think he started. I don't have it in front of me, but like two and two and eighteen or something like that. The like the the Supersonics that year started miserably. Yeah, number one. Kevin don't usually join good teams or teams ready to win. And Durant was number two, I believe. And he was number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Greg Oden was taken ahead of him. The um, other topic that the fans of the local cagers love to talk about these days is the 2023-2024 uh, grand experiment that Greg Popovich called it. Uh, Jeremy Sohan at the po- at the point. Do we need to do this again? It is. It's well, tan- it's, tangen- it's tangentially related to the. Um, I think it's tangentially related. Whatever. I'm having a, a, a head cold day, so sorry. You, you need that a good cup of coffee or, or soda and a churro. That'll, a churro. That'll I was I was going to go for whiskey. Uh-huh. I guess it's too early in the morning for that. Um, it's related to the Victor discussion, though, because that's, you know, he doesn't play all his minutes with Jeremy at the point. But with that starting unit, and especially with Devin Vassell out, like the spacing is awful. So when you say, can you draw something up to get Victor like an easy look at the rim? Well, no, because there's no spacing with that unit. You know, the the opposing team can just sort of pack the paint and not let you do that. Mm-hmm. And some the thing they don't have one. So the the two the two are kind of re- kind of related. Here's the thing, though: does starting any other point guard improve that spacing? No, it does not. Probably not. <laughs> that's the that's the other issue, and and I guess. It, it's it's completely fair to question the makeup of the roster. Um, could the Spurs have gone after a more traditional point guard in the offseason? I don't think you want to spend – like Chris Paul never made any type of sense. Um, no veteran, expensive veteran. That doesn't fit the timeline. Like The Spurs weren't supposed to win this year. Um, it wasn't about this year. But, but I will listen to and I will entertain the idea that maybe you just find some uh, competent Trey Jones-ish type player um, to run some of those point guard minutes. Like, that's fine. But with the roster they have, I don't see 
how the Jeremy Sohan experiment, which is not going smoothly, like that, I think that's a fair way to put it. Um, I don't think how I I, I don't think that there's a, a vastly superior option to that in which the Spurs record is better than it is now. You know what I mean? Like like if they've been playing Devonte Graham more minutes. Uh, Trey Jones has been hurt. I don't think there's any like magic bullet on this roster that that would have you believe that oh they'd be playing better now uh, if they weren't playing Jeremy Sohan at the point. Um, is that fair? Yeah, yes. Trey Jones. Yeah, the Trey Jones injury hurt a little bit too. I mean, if you wow. look at the split, if you look yeah if you look at the splits, they have been better when Trey's been on the floor than Jeremy. So I think when you go back to what some of the fans looking at the uh, Greg Popovich comment where they're trying to win this season and then you look at this experiment and you say well maybe they're not because they're trying this experiment instead of trying to win because they are inherently better when Trey's at the point I mean there's no stat you can find that doesn't show that they're better when Trey's on the floor but I can find one on Saturday night against Memphis plus minus and a single game plus minus can be fluky plus minus against can Memphis. be fluky the, the Spurs were were minus three with Jeremy Sohan on the court they were minus 18 with Trey Jones on the court. Uh, He's coming, uh, coming one, off a... Uh, one fluky thing. Offensive net rating with Trey Jones on the court is like 115 with... Sure, sure. But my, on the court, it's like 99, which is the worst Sure, sure. That Memphis game, he's coming off the three three games off with a hamstring injury. And that, that sure. hamstring is probably not right yet. Sure, sure. But okay. how many minutes are you going to play Trey Jones? Isn't he averaging like 28 minutes a night? Somewhere the the there, only yeah. reason we're discussing this is because Trey Jones doesn't start. You're still not but, if 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 you start Trey Jones, he's going to play a few minutes more. Like you're still going to have those non-Trey Jones minutes. There's it's not an either or thing, and and that's my problem with this whole discussion is it it's 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 too black and white. It's too oh if if you're not playing Jeremy Sohan, you're playing Trey Jones. Trey Jones is already leading the offense for more than half the game every single night. And you can. There's not many more minutes for him to play. Mm-hmm. So the 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 debate is not Jeremy Sohan versus Trey Jones. It's Jeremy Sohan versus like Blake Wesley, or name another guy who could get those other point guard minutes. Mm-hmm. Like somebody has to get the non-Trey Jones point guard minutes. Um, and I'm not again. I'm not defending the experiment. I think the if you if you're putting odds on it right now, I, I think. The odds are Jeremy Sohan might not end up being a long-term NBA point guard. Uh, but I don't think that they're wasting as much time as it seems like they're wasting trying it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit because that's I think that's what the most fans out there, they look at it and that's what they see and that's what they yell at their TV about. And that's did, what I'm yelling at them about right did, now. Did, is that did, is that you're, we're we're arguing over maybe five minutes a night? Because what did, does anybody have the stats up? How many minutes is Trey Jones averaging a game? I can get them, but I'll get them. But I just wanted to point. Did you just go earnest on us with the note of it? Yeah, I did. Oh, I thought you meant E A R N E S T, but you're talking about Ernest goes to camp. Yeah, Ernest goes to camp. Ernest, you know what I mean? Vern. Yeah, where's Vern? Ernest goes to podcasting school. <laughs> Trey Jones is at 25.1 minutes a night. Last year when he started the 65 games, he was at 29.2. So we're arguing it's really 4.1 minutes a night is what you're probably looking at. 
Yes, yes, yes. And those, those four minutes could be really important. I will give it to the people who are criticizing this. Those four to five minutes could make all the difference in the world. Uh, but really, we're not arguing about, I just want to make it clear, we're not arguing about 30 minutes a night. We're arguing about four. We're arguing about five. Um, because all, every minute that Trey Jones is on the court for those 24 minutes, and that number might be a little bit higher if, like he he was slow to come back from the injury, and I think he played less or fewer minutes uh, mm-hmm. in his first game back. Um, if he if he averages twenty eight, like what are we really arguing about here? He's 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 the point guard every minute he's on the floor. Um, and I honestly I think that the the minutes where he's playing with Jeremy Sohan look pretty good. Like I think they play well together. Yeah. And I think that improves <laughs> Jeremy's game. Trey talked about that last night. Yeah, he's the primary ball handler. But you know, if if it's a miss, Jeremy's pushing it up the court. You know, right? Yeah, right. Uh, did we cut Jeff off there at some point? No, I'm here. Oh, I th- well, I, I thought you were trying to make some kind of trenchant uh, point there. That no, we- I was. I was. I was actually going more for a ribald joke. So it's good that you cut me off. Okay. Okay. Um, but and I think some to 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 kind of tie a bow on the Sohan discussion. I'm not defending it. I am not saying this is a brilliant move. I'm not saying this is the right move. I'm just not quite ready to say it's a disaster and that it's costing the development of Victor Wimpenyama and it's tanking the spur season, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that there's an Nick, alternative as, that makes it all better. Yeah. Well, it's like as Nick mentioned earlier, and I've written about in the newspaper and we brought this up with pop a couple times like he's the one who set these expectations on the first day of training camp when he said what previous seasons were about learning this season is going to be about winning and they're not winning so it's fair to question um his methods for trying to win and uh, i think because jeremy sohan has not been effective as a point guard yet because that's been so up and down and probably more down than up I think it's a perfectly valid question to ask. Like, is are they committed to this? Should they keep doing it? That's fine. I just don't think that there is a... It's so black and white that if they stop doing it, they're all of a sudden going to start winning again. I, I just don't see that. And I think it's, a, it's, as Jeff has written and talked about on this podcast, this is a good year to experiment. Um, I think the mistake was <laughs> Pop declaring on day one that this season is going to be about winning. Uh, because it hasn't been yet. And maybe it will be. I asked him the other night, what was his quote? He said, um, that was the hope and it still is. And maybe it, we're only 13 games into the year, 14 games into the year. Uh, they still could win more than they did last year. Uh, we just haven't seen it yet. Well, I, I heard they were tanking though for whoever is in the draft this year. I don't even know. Ron Holland. That's the, um, that's the guy from the offspring. Oh yeah. Uh, they're not, they're not tanking. They're not that. That is the difference between last year and this can, year. can we can we define tanking for the for the viewers at home? Losing on purpose. So is playing uh, purposefully inefficient lineups. Uh, that's not tanking. It's experiment. Um, it's experiment. They are hoping to win every night. Not only and and I should say last year the players on the court were hoping to win every night. I think the, the difference is this year the organization would like to win some games. 
Last year, the organization was fine with the players playing hard and the coaching staff coaching to win and them just not being good enough to win. That was all part of the plan. Uh, that's how tanking happens. They let the players play hard, let the coaches coach hard, and set everything up where you're just not good enough to win. This year, the players are playing hard, the coaches are coaching hard. They'd like to win, and they're not because they keep blowing they keep blowing double digit leads. I think they. I don't. We need to get Paul Garcia on here for the official stats, but it's it's just mind boggling to see. I think there's something like one in six. When six, they have, when they have a, uh, when they trail by ten points or more during a game, and they're one in six when they lead by like fifteen points or more during the game, they, they've won as many games when leading by fifteen points as they have when when trailing by fifteen points because they had the huge comeback at the, at a Phoenix, but they're trying to win, man. I I I firmly believe that. Now they're not going all out trying to win every game like like they're 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 fine experimenting during this but the goal every night is to win um so it's all about the goal the intent i think so i think that i think that intent is a huge part of the definition of tanking don't you yeah is sure. it isn't tanking by definition about your intent yeah i uh, yeah but it it seems a fine like <laughs> it just seems a fine line sometimes and by again, by intent, I mean the intent of the organization, not the intent of the individual right, players right. who always play to win. Yeah, yeah. So by that it's, definition, it's, it's, I, it's, it's funny. It, I mean, I I, mean, I agree with you. I'm just I'm also just sort of playing devil's advocate. But it's also kind of funny to be like, we really want to win, but we're going to play these lineups that we know aren't going to work. But we, but I swear, I promise, we're we're trying to win. But I don't I, see again. I I don't necessarily think that they put it that way that might be how it looks but i don't think they're playing lineups that they don't know won't work i think it's more lineups that they know need to improve and this is the way to improve them or see if they work and if you lose games in the process so be it yes yes it's a very subtle thing and i completely understand people who are frustrated with it last year who were who were like the vets last year that that played that never were going to be a part of the future you covered all those games I had sort of tuned out. What's that? Kata Bates. Yeah. KBD. KBD. Uh, Devontae Graham was playing a lot late. Um, you had your Mamos. You had your, well, Julian Champagne is playing again. But, but the point was some of those lineups you put out there knowing, I mean, those weren't, the lineups featuring KBD were not, Hey, maybe he can be something. Hey, we're trying something out that could be useful in 2025. It was, we're going to let KBD go out there. Good soldier, good player, good guy. Let him play hard. We have no future with this guy. We have no intent of resigning him. We're probably going to lose by running everything through him. And that's fine. I would hope that people could see the difference between that and, Hey, we're going to experiment with Jeremy Sohan guarding the other team's best player or in the case of the Los Angeles Clippers guarding like all four of the other team's best players <laughs> while learning to play a position he's never played before. Not because we're trying to lose this game, but we're trying to see if anything's there and it might not work out great, but this could pay for pay off for us down the road. 
You see how that's a different. I do. It's sort of like mentality uh, than throwing yeah. KBD out there and running everything through him for it's, twenty. Minutes. It's sort of like we we really do want to win this game, but we just kind of want to see what Trey Jones looks like at center. Right. Well, that's ridiculous, but yes. <laughs> All right, you want to end on a, let's end on a positive note. We 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 kind of uh, uh, we talked about Victor shooting percentages. Do you want to know who is the best shooter on the team in terms of uh, field goal percentage? The very Charlie best. Bassey. Yes. How did I know that? I, I we did not plan this beforehand. I was Charlie just, uh, Bassey is shooting a sizzling seventy-one percent from the field. I think he needs to take more shots. Wait, seventy-one percent from the field? Yes, all all ranges. Well, yeah, all ranges because he only oh. takes shots within two feet. <laughs> Charlie Bat, they should run the offense through him. Um, well, that I'll is tell a positive you what's bringing him down. I'll tell you what's bringing him down because it could be it could be more. What's bringing him down is he was 0 for 1 from the three-point range. Was that like a heave, last second heave? Or Probably. Did he actually attempt Probably. to... Probably. Yeah. But, but on two-pointers, Charlie Bassey, pride of St. Anthony, is shooting 73.3% on two-point field goal shots. That is a that is an up... That is that is a feel-good stat for the... Why are they not fans. starting him? Run, run isolation plays for Osman. Just let him... Uh, Clear out and let him uh, let him go to work. Jeff, since this is your job now, do you want to tell people how they can read more about Charlie Bassey or get more? Oh yeah, I forgot about, about that. Uh, yeah, you could. Uh, what's the name? The ExpressNews.com. That's the mm-hmm. website, and uh, yep. you can also. I think you could subscribe there if you would like. Um, the website printed out and thrown on your front porch every day. You could you can uh-huh. subscribe there for that service, or you uh-huh. could just you know read it on your your laptop or your phone or the app. You could subscribe. Uh, this is this is more of a digital thing, but you could subscribe to the Spurs Nation newsletter, which I think is back to being a lose letter. I was about to ask you that very question. Is it the yeah. lose letter again? It's back to being a lose letter for now. Uh, but those are all ways that you can you can read um, the great coverage that that uh, Tom Orsborne and and I provide, and, and also some finger columns. Also some finger columns. I, I do my best. That's that's all that anyone can ask for. Sometimes I experiment. Sometimes the experiment doesn't work. But your and intent no is always to be great. My intent has never been to tank a column yeah. that you're aware of. It just uh, sort of if, if it was, what would be the point of tanking a column? What what would be the point of that? Is there any reward for me to write a bad column? Uh, would intentionally taking a column generate more hits for our website than trying to be good? I mean, maybe. maybe it depends on how you maybe. take it. <laughs> maybe okay. Uh, maybe I have a new approach now as a result of this podcast. We'll see. You'll have to tune in. Uh, keep clicking on the website. Keep buying the Dead Tree Edition and see uh, if you can guess my intent or the intent of my great coworkers here. Until then, uh, we will try to take care of each other. You take care of each other and keep it real. Go get those churros. <laughs>